Welcome to the Redeemer East Harlem podcast. We pray this message leads you both to know and show the love of Christ in all areas of life. We will now dive into our scripture reading, followed by this week's message. Today's scripture reading is from Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 12 to 26. Then I turned my thoughts to consider wisdom, and also madness and folly. What more can the king's successor do than what has already been done? I saw that wisdom is better than folly, just as light is better than darkness. The wise have eyes in their heads, while the fool walks in the darkness. But I came to realize that the same fate overtakes them both. Then I said to myself, The fate of the fool will overtake me also. What then do I gain by being wise? I said to myself, This too is meaningless. For the wise, like the fool, will not be long remembered. The days have already come when both have been forgotten. Like the fool, the wise too must die. So I hated life, because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. I hated all the things I had toiled for under the sun, because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. And who knows whether that person will be wise or foolish? Yet they will have control over all the fruit of my toil into which I have poured my effort and skill under the sun. This too is meaningless. So my heart began to despair over all my toilsome labor under the sun. For a person may labor with wisdom, knowledge, and skill, and then they must leave all they own to another who has not toiled for it. This too is meaningless and a great misfortune. What do people get for all the toil and anxious striving with which they labor under the sun? All their days their work is grief and pain. Even at night their minds do not rest. This too is meaningless. A person can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their own toil. This too, I see, is from the hand of God. For without him, who can eat or find enjoyment? To the person who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. But to the sinner, he gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth to hand it over to the one who pleases God. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. This is the word of the Lord. What's going on, everybody? My name is Peter Ree, uh, as Justin mentioned, and I'm one of the pastors at Uptown Community Church, um, and um, it's my privilege to be here. And Justin felt a little nervous I was going to share stories about us in seminary. I'm not going to do that. Uh, nothing bad happened, obviously, but they are kind of crazy, so you should ask him on your own time. Uh, but, but seeing what God has done over the years uh, since we first started seminary, uh, particularly in Justin's journey with Redeemer East Harlem, um, has been so encouraging for someone like me because uh, I believe we need more churches who are changed by the gospel and seek out the real needs of the neighborhood. And, and that's why it's so special for me to be here. Um, so thank you for having me. Um, I know you've been in a series on the book of Ecclesiastes. And last week you discussed the longing for pleasure. And today we'll be discussing the longing for wisdom. And, and the author of our reading Um, today who goes by the teacher, he turns to contemplate wisdom. 
right? And, and, and for the most part, there's a strong sense of agony here as he realizes how difficult and meaningless it is to live by God's wisdom. And, and, and I don't know if you consider yourself someone who's on this big quest for true wisdom, like, like the teacher in Ecclesiastes, but whether you're seeking it or not, the world and everything around you is constantly trying to persuade you to accept their definition of wisdom. And there are so many competing wisdoms to show us how we should live our lives and what to do. And every day, we have a million decisions to make. And each decision has the power to determine the rest of our lives for for the better or for worse. So whenever we're searching for answers on what to do, we're longing for wisdom. And the question that drove my sermon today is, why should we want God's wisdom? Out of all the wisdoms out there, why his? And why should we want it when it feels so difficult to follow and especially when it seems to cause us more pain than joy. So my three points for today's sermon are, one, the need for wisdom, two, the agony of pursuing wisdom, and three, the freedom of receiving wisdom. So uh, first, the need for wisdom. And when I say the need for wisdom, I mean the need for God's wisdom. Right? All, all throughout Scripture, God shows us that, that true wisdom is to live in a world according to how God has made it, right? It's a a wisdom that acknowledges that that God is there and that he gives meaning to everything. And we're to follow his ways because it actually brings more joy when we live by his design and when we seek out his wisdom. And and I want to just from the jump just let you know um, that our passage today doesn't explicitly detail on what wisdom from God is, right? You can read Proverbs for more of that. Instead, our passage is about the longing for wisdom and how the pursuit of wisdom is essentially a desire to have purpose and to be fulfilled in a way that only God can fulfill us. So where do I get that from? Well, in chapter 1 of Ecclesiastes, the teacher, he says that he has applied his heart to seek and search out wisdom. He's a philosophical sage and his life goal was to understand and live out wisdom in the greatest way God intended humanity to be wise. And in our reading today in verse 13, he states how wisdom is better than folly the way light is better than darkness. Because if you have wisdom, you have vision, right? You have guidance. You can, you can avoid pitfalls. It, it helps you get to where you want to go. And instead of wandering uh, in the dark aimlessly, wisdom gives you purpose and direction. Essentially, wisdom is the light that God has given us to live a full life in a broken world. And we absolutely need it, and, and it's why we all long for it. And the point I'm trying to make is that we need God's wisdom. Any other wisdom will leave us unfulfilled and left dry because it doesn't account for the way that God has made us to live. Uh, let me give an example. In the book Vanishing Half by Britt Bennett, one of my favorite books of 2020, um, there's a story during the 1950s about a light-skinned black woman named Stella. And she's so light-skinned that she passes as a white woman in many public places. And she loves feeling normal and dignified, right? And that makes her happy. So she decides to leave everything behind, including her family and friends. And she takes on this this new identity as a white woman to marry a rich white man. And, and, And the wisdom she's drawing from isn't explicitly stated in the book. But I assume it has to do with seeking happiness for oneself, no matter the cost, right? Because she leaves everything behind. And she does seem to be happy at first. But then you realize um, how she lives in constant fear of being exposed of who she really is. And therefore, she has this extremely shallow relationship with her husband, 
She never makes any friends. She never reaches out to her real family. And she even pushes away her daughter from getting too close. And, and her daughter grows up with acceptance issues because of that. And while Stella pursues a wisdom of the world that hurts herself and her family, I, I was more upset by how society forced her to believe that she was inferior because she was black. And, and how the notion that happiness was only possible if you were white um, has such devastating consequences on her relationships with her loved ones and her own well-being. Right? She was like just, just so lonely. And, and you see that and, and you, just, you just grieve that there are people, even today, who feel extremely unhappy regarding the things they can't control about themselves just because society has distorted the understanding of true wisdom. But, but let's just evaluate Stella and her life in regard to how flawed sources of her wisdom um, from the world can destroy us, right? The wisdom of the world today is that we should pursue whatever makes us happy, I think Pastor Justin preached on that last week, but, but at what expense? Right? You can't just leave and neglect your family, right? you can't just erase your history, you can't just fabricate an identity without it affecting you and the ones you love negatively, Right? Um, but God made it possible for us to flourish in the way that he has made us because he sees all of his creation as beautiful. And while the world is severely broken, his wisdom gives us hope that it is possible to find joy in a way that he has made us and in the way he has called us to live no matter our situation. And so my question for us is, where are you getting your wisdom from? What wisdom are you being driven by? And is it true wisdom? Right? Because virtually everything that surrounds us today is pleading with us to accept their version of wisdom. Even the 30-second even the ad between your YouTube videos, right? They, they're all saying something about how we should live life. And here's God who wants you to know that his wisdom is actually meant to fulfill you and make you whole. And this is why we need God's wisdom more than ever in a world that's so convoluted with messages on how to live life. But knowing God's wisdom is one thing, doing it is another. And, and that's where many of us find trouble, and so does the teacher, which brings me to my second point, uh, the agony of pursuing wisdom. Um, th there's, there's so much pain that is being expressed um, in today's passage, right, as the teacher is contemplating uh, wisdom as he's trying to live it out. Uh, notice the repeating words of toil, effort, toilsome labor, Striving, right? That's all like in the passage uh, throughout our reading. And each of these are actually the same root word in Hebrew. So if you read in the original language, the whole passage is marked up by this one word that's associated with anguish and troublesome work more than 10 times. And it's everywhere. Why? Um, well, I believe for the teacher, his life purpose was to pursue wisdom. Right? He says so himself in, in chapter 1. He had to toil for wisdom to give himself meaning. Right? He had to strive for wisdom to give him a sense of worth. And when he realizes that the wise die just like the fool, it crushes him. And the reason why many of us are agonizing, even in our pursuit of wisdom today, is because we're striving to prove something. We're striving to prove our worth. We're striving to fulfill our lives. And wisdom is only a means to get us to achieve our worth. And it's all meaningless toil under the sun. And, and, and this isn't the shortcoming of wisdom, but it's the shortcoming of what you believe will fulfill you. So um, Gladys Bourdain, 
uh, once made a comment about her son dying by suicide a few years ago. Uh, her son, Anthony Bourdain, um, as many of us know, was a, was a celebrated chef and a cultural icon. But, but this is what his mother said, and it always struck with me. Um, this is what she said. She says, Tony had been in a dark mood these past couple of days, but I had no idea why he might have decided to kill himself. He had everything, success beyond his wildest dreams, money beyond his wildest dreams. This is, this is Anthony Bourdain's mother. And for me, Anthony Bourdain is like a modern-day Ecclesiastes teacher. He had everything, right? He traveled the world and experienced life in ways none of us can imagine. He had insight to different cultures and wisdom from all different types of people. Um, but he was never fulfilled. And I don't know exactly what he was searching for, but he had everything, right? I mean, his own mother said he had everything. And it was still all meaningless, no amount of wisdom could help him because everything he strived for was unfulfilling. And, and what I'm trying to say here is, while my first point was asking, where is your wisdom coming from? Now I'm asking, where is your wisdom pointing to? Not only do we have to examine the source of our wisdom, but the purpose of our wisdom as well. Because death is the great equalizer to so much of our striving. And, and none of our toil and gruesome work seems worth it if what we're searching for can be taken away in an instant by death. So um, the question to examine ourselves here is, and the question we should regularly ask ourselves is, why are you seeking wisdom? What are you trying to achieve by pursuing it? Because right? whenever you think you have wisdom, it's always going to be used to fill this thing up, this reason up, this this. This, um, this purpose that you have. And the teacher wants us to learn from his depravity that everything he has pursued is not enough to fulfill him because it's all temporary. Right? It will eventually be taken away from us anyway. And, and therefore, if our quest for wisdom is to strive and toil for anything else other than our relationship with God, we will be left in agony and meaninglessness. Another way the teacher expresses agony in our passage today is, is when he says that he hated life and that he began to despair. And, and again, these are strong words of misery, right? In, in verse 21, the teacher grieves that everything he strives for, all the good things he accumulated through wisdom will eventually be lo lost and inherited by a fool. And, and, and the teacher says this is a great misfortune. Other translations say this is a great evil. And, and some of us today need wisdom with things like knowing which apartment to buy or move into, right? And, and, and that's important. We should assess our hearts, our purpose, and we should align all of that with the wisdom God has given us, right? Every decision we bring before God and his wisdom speaks into that. But many of us, many of us, we, we need wisdom on matters that are, that are much heavier than that, right? Such as how to provide for our families, how to restore broken relationships, what do you do when you're depressed, how to survive, and, and wisdom becomes a matter of life and death. And, and at times, trying to pursue wisdom is too much to bear at the moment, right? And, and in some ways, it's almost worse to promise that wisdom will fulfill our lives when our lives are already filled with so much despair. And, and many of us don't pursue wisdom as we should, not because we don't believe it is good, but because we simply just don't have the bandwidth to do so. And when we try to pursue it, we don't see any changes, <laughs> And if anything, it can cause more despair. And so this, 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 is, a, this is a strong conflict and, and dilemma, which brings me to my final point, the freedom of receiving wisdom. 
So in verses 24 to 26, we see the first instance in Ecclesiastes where there's some sort of resolution to all the despair and meaninglessness, right? I mean, I don't think there was even a, a, a resolution in last week's passage, if, if, you, if y'all read uh, one or two. But up until now, the teacher laments the depravity of the world, and God has not yet been involved in a positive way for the teacher. But, but the language shifts in verse 24, right? It says this, that satisfaction is from the hand of God, for without him, who can eat or find enjoyment? And then he goes on to say that uh, to the person who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. And, and the picture that um, the teacher is now presenting is, is a wisdom that he once thought was a toil, or once thought was a work of agony. It is now a gift that we simply receive from God. And, and this is how we pursue wisdom, by just receiving it. And he gives it to us freely through the person of Jesus Christ. And I know this wisdom is guaranteed when we do that in the gospel because when I go back to the verses that explain the cause of the teacher's depression um, that was read today, I can't help but see the life of Jesus, right? For example, the teacher is in despair because all the toil and all the striving of wisdom he has achieved will be left over to be inherited by someone else. And whether he'll be wise or fool, who knows, right? And, and, And that for him was a great evil, And yet Jesus, he toiled, he strived to live the life of perfect wisdom, to be sinless before God so that all that he has gained will be given to us when we receive him and his gifts in our lives. And in exchange, Christ takes all our foolishness and our sinful purposes upon him. The preacher here never focuses when when he's lamenting on like the air, um, the, the inheritance being wasted. He, he never focuses on the heir, right? He never focuses on who the next person that he can bless will be after him. He believes that he has the best use of wisdom and it should belong to him forever. That's like his mentality. But Christ, he lives a life of toil and striving under the sun. Every day of his human life, right, his mind does not rest. His work is full of grief and pain as he anticipates what is to come. And it's a death of all deaths, right? And he doesn't deem it meaningless and quits, but he continues. Jesus prayed, take this cup away from me because the agony was too much, but yet he kept enduring, all for the purpose of not being fulfilled, but being emptied. So when you read the agony in these verses, look at Christ taking on the agony of sin and despair on your behalf. Not so he can contemplate wisdom, but so that he can freely give us his wisdom. Learn from him. See, see what wisdom means to him. Receive his instruction as you look to Christ in all the means of grace. Because, you know, you don't, do you not think that God knows that you're struggling and, and that you're trying to do your best to do the wisest thing? Or do you think that he doesn't care that you're in desperate need for wisdom when he gave up everything to prove that he does? Um, that's who Jesus is. And... Um, Biblical scholars on Ecclesiastes in this section, verses 24 to 26, they debate if the teacher is actually joyful and glad. Right? They can't tell if he has really turned the tide and, and now has his great hope in God or if he's just stating a small consolation. Because even verse 24 starts off by saying, a person can do nothing better than to eat and drink. Right? Something that he's saying, all, he's, all that he's saying is, that's, that's all we can do. It's not much, but we'll take it. 
And, and then he returns to lamenting the meaninglessness of life throughout the rest of the book. So there's this debate, like, did he really, is he really happy? Is he really looking at God now? Or actually, you know, he's actually just like, eh, it's whatever. And I actually think that these verses are neither fully positive, nor is it a sad consolation, but somewhere in between. You know, the teacher has tasted the sweetness of receiving the goodness from God, but he also sees the broken reality of a world with brutal honesty, right? Wisdom isn't a super high level that once you achieve, there's, there's no more suffering. If anything, you know, when, when we have more wisdom, um, we're shown more depravity and more things wrong with our world. But with wisdom from God, you're driven by the greater hope that we have in Christ. Right? True wisdom allows us to see how messed up our world is, how messed up we are. And at the same time, we can experience the, the overwhelming joy of what Christ is doing to make all things new right now, today. Um, I was thinking of a, a story of how this kind of practically works out. Um, and a, a couple of years ago, I think a couple of years ago, I got ordained. Justin, you're at my ordination examin, examination. <clears throat> um, but uh, like weeks before I got ordained, like maybe a couple weeks before I got ordained, um, there were two tragic events that happened at my church. One was um, one family lost their son to overdose of drugs. And then as, as I'm meeting with this couple and praying with them and, and trying to counsel them, that moment I get an email saying another family lost their husband to a heart attack. And, you know, I'm looking at my phone, I'm looking up at this couple, and I'm like, this, this could be the rest of my life. Like, I'm, I'm signing up for this. I got to look people in the eyes and, and tell them that when you receive Christ's wisdom, that you'll know what to do, you'll have this hope, you know, you can get out of your depression, you'll know what to do next, even when things are so tough. Um, and you know what God's will is, even when it's so hard. Um, and I'm like, how, how, can I, how in the world can I do this? This is heavy stuff. I, I, don't, I can't constantly do this all the time. Um, but thankfully, the couples that I, was, uh, that I was meeting with and the other, the widow now, they had more of an understanding about wisdom than I did. Here am I thinking, oh, I graduated seminary. I, I passed this pretty tough you know, oral exam through the pastry. I know a lot about wisdom because I read Proverbs like 50 times. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm like, these, these people know what wisdom is better than me. You know what I'm saying? Like, they, they're the ones that, that, that knew Christ in this way. They received his wisdom. They were st- I mean, they're still figuring it out. They're still grieving. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's tough losing a family member. Just because you're Christian, you're not like, all's, wet, all's better now. But, but they, had, they had this sweetness from Christ that they tasted his goodness. And that allowed them to have and pursue this wisdom that they received from Christ. And they knew what to do next. I mean, obviously it was hard. You know, I'm sure it wasn't easy for them. But they knew how to seek out God's wisdom and live by it. And they knew that it was the only thing that could give them joy at the moment. And they trusted in this wisdom despite the depression in their lives because they had tasted in Christ's goodness. And so the world's wisdom is always trying to promise us joy and hope without the promise keeper. And the world's wisdom tries to deliver us from agony without the deliverer, and therefore it always fails. But we can pursue God's wisdom with joy because he gives it to us freely in Christ, and he is leading us by it through his nearness to us, and therefore we can trust it. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the gift of your wisdom through your Son. Lord, we know that... um, we, we look to other, other, other uh, 
other wisdoms in this world. And we let that dictate our loves and dictate our habits and what we want and long for instead of looking to your wisdom. Lord, we, we want to then use your wisdom to fulfill our own selfish purposes rather than submitting our sinful purposes to you, knowing that they can never satisfy. And Lord, you're the only one that knows all the unique issues, hardships, miseries, agonies that are going in everyone's lives um, listening to, the, to your word today. But God, we take great confidence that in your wisdom, when we look to you, when we look to Christ, showing his wisdom, there is life. And, and bestowing it upon us through his death and resurrection, that we can have this hope because we tasted the goodness of Christ. So Lord, we pray by the Holy Spirit that you would lead us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Redeemer East Harlem podcast. For more information on our church and how you can support what God is doing through our church, go to www.reh.nyc.